Hello, everybody, and welcome to Truth Be Told. Thank you all for being here with me today. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, Today's episode and maybe the next few episodes are going to be a little bit different uh, in the sense that, you know, I claim to be an apologetics and theology podcast, and this really isn't, I don't know, I guess it doesn't fit squarely into either of those camps. Not that it doesn't have a lot to do with uh, the Bible and the proof of it or what's written in there um, or, or what to believe, but it's just slightly different. Uh, I actually debated on whether or not to do this, how I would do it, and if it would be beneficial to anybody, but I, I think that not trying is a mistake. So I'm going to try, and I hope this is enjoyable or beneficial to you, and uh, let me know what you think. Reach out in some way over email. You can find that link down below, or um, I mean, a lot of people that listen might have my phone number or uh, some way to contact me. So if you can, just let me know what you think about this. And um, if there's any way you think I can adapt it for future episodes, if I if I don't get it all done in one, which I'm pretty sure it'll take a couple. But basically what I wanted to do today is go over a trip that I recently just got back from, which was a trip to Israel and to Jordan. And I went for the Feast of Tabernacles and we had pre-feast trip um, and then a lot of touring during the feast. And then after the feast, we went to Jordan to go see um, Petra. And that was really cool. So there's just a lot in that trip that I felt was worth sharing. And it's hard to do. Um, primarily because I don't have pictures. You know, as a podcast, it's not video. It's not multimedia, really. So... It's, it's hard to kind of explain certain things, but I'm so excited about the trip that it just seems dumb not to share as much as I can, even if I'm, you know, hindered by not having pictures. Uh, because, you know, for years, I've heard stories of people's trips to Israel, and they were interesting to me, but they something fell short. It's like I could only be interested for so long before I just kind of checked out a little bit or understood vaguely that, yeah, they're talking about kind of, you know, I hear this name and these other things are associated with it in my mind based on whichever Bible story I've heard recently. And that was great, but it really didn't help me picture it at all. But there is something about being there, um, at least for me, that really does make you want to come back and share it. It feels like, you know, I did not just go there for me. I didn't go there and just take all that in and that's it. It feels so selfish to just like leave this information in my head or to just die with this information. And I think ultimately, you know, as I continue to produce content, whether it be for this podcast or for uh, church or, or whatever, even just in my conversations with people, I do think being there will supplement the information I'm able to give because it gave me a lot of context for things, especially um, spatially. I found that to be the most incredible thing I got from the trip, honestly, was just not only showing me concretely that the Bible that I've read for years contains actual events with actual people, but also just spatially what it looked like to go from this place to this place or what it meant when they chased down this army to this distance. Um, all of that was just added so much color to the Bible. Someone said after the trip Um, that being there adds pictures to your Bible. And I I like that. I think it's a a good phrase. I've heard it used in messages from people that went um, with me after that trip. And I think it's really appropriate. And so 
I want to be able to try and do the same thing. It's like, okay, maybe I can't add pictures to your Bible, but can I add sounds to it? Can I add, I don't know, just some sense of what it was like to be there. If I I can give you some sort of elevated understanding of how something worked or how something appeared or some visual representation, uh, even if I just do it, you know, with words, then it just feels like it's more worth it that way. To have this information die inside of me, it just feels like such a waste of me even having gone there. So I think that uh, this information will supplement a lot of messages I give in the future, but I'd really like to do something comprehensive. Um, You know, I'm kind of afraid that over time, um, my memory will will dull on some of the things. And so while I'm excited about it, while I remember the things as clearly as I possibly can, while I desperately want to go back like right now, I'd like to do this, you know, just kind of rehashing of my trip. And hopefully it is something that, you know, adds value to your study um, as the trip itself added a lot of value to mine. And so the first thing I really want to say is if you can go to Israel, please go. It is an incredible, incredible place. Everywhere you turn, every step you take is just something new historically happened there. It's just a city of layers upon layers upon layers of history and stories. And not just not just story, everywhere has a story, but these are stories that are like universally familiar to people. And so just in that alone, I would say if I can impress upon you the need or the want to go, that will be enough because really I think you're going to get so much more if you do go. Now, that being said, if you can't go, um, I think that sometimes even though I am really excited about this trip I took and I am excited to share what information I can, I want to be a little bit cautious because I don't want people to feel like, well, if I can't go, then I just don't understand the Bible. It's like, well, that's it's not true. Um, the Bible is meant to be understood by all kinds of people, all walks of life. Um, Christ knew when he told the disciples to go out and preach to the nations that it was going to be people who maybe hadn't even seen Israel before. You know, he had people like you and me in mind. And it's not always feasible to get to travel across the world to Israel. I'm, I'm incredibly blessed. I'd also like to thank my dad um, just in facilitating the whole trip and um, like really being the one who allowed me to be able to go. Um, you know, it was an expensive trip and we both paid towards it and everything, but really he helped me out a lot and kind of was the spearhead of the whole movement saying like, you know, we, we need to go at some point in time we need to go. And um, so really, really grateful to him. And a lot of people I'm grateful for throughout this trip that I'll get to as we kind of keep going. But, but if you can't go, just please don't think you don't understand the Bible or, well, it's just fuzzy and not as clear to you. There's so much you can get out of scripture. Um, I just think that going is an exciting thing. It is a really cool thing. It is interesting. It academically can add so much to um, just your general read through of scripture. And so if you can definitely do, I cannot uh, mitigate its importance, but if you can't, don't stress. I cannot, you know, value the importance of the Bible alone, even without having gone. So, um, and that's what I'm hoping to, you know, do with this kind of walkthrough of the trip is, you know, if someone can't go, maybe people that do go can come back and bring them something, um, academically or spiritually or, you know, whatever they gain from being there. Hopefully we can just bring it back and do something with that rather than just 
you know, let those, you know, mental or spiritual riches kind of just sit idly in a safe somewhere. So I guess what I'll do as I'm thinking about this, I'm realizing organization is going to be uh, the trickiest part. And I don't want to go forever and ever and ever, but I, I kind of feel like I could talk forever and ever and ever really about anything, not even just this trip, but it was great. So I don't want to leave anything out, um, but I want to remain concise and interesting and you know hold people's attention. Um, but I'm kind of just looking, I have no notes on this. I'm just kind of looking through um, the pictures on my phone and like the, the gallery app. And I think that's kind of how I'm going to do uh, this presentation is just go through the pictures, um, at least to keep me on track time-wise. So we'll just go through the trip chronologically, um, starting with the first day. And uh, I'll hopefully, you know, keep attention and not add too many boring details or anything like that. But hopefully my pictures will keep me on track because what I chose to take pictures of, hopefully were the, you know, the highlights or the most interesting things. So uh, we set out uh, from Columbus, Ohio, which is where I'm from, if, in case any of you didn't know that. Um, set off from Columbus, Ohio, really early in the morning, like 3.30, I think we left. And we had one stop in Canada, and then from Canada, uh, Toronto, Canada, it was going to be straight to Tel Aviv. And um, I was already nervous about that, because I am a big guy, and I don't hate planes. Like I love to fly. I think it's a really fun experience, but after about an hour, it stops being fun and my knees just hurt and my shoulders are just in someone else's space. So I wasn't really looking forward to the 10 and a half hour trip from Toronto to Israel, but I thought, okay, as long as, um, like I don't get kicked off a flight or, you know, someone's not screaming at me for being in their way, then I'm going to make it one way or another. And I just have to kind of mentally scream in my head until I get there. Um, but in the end, you know, I had been to Alaska, um, two years ago and that flight was like six, six and a half hours, I think. And it was miserable. I'm not sure what it was about that flight, but I just like the entire time I was just like screaming in my head, hoping it was over or like trying to not check the time as much as possible. Um, because every time I checked the time, it seemed like an hour should have passed, but it was like 30 seconds. And so 10 and a half hours. I was incredibly nervous. Um, you know, I was doing a bunch of stretches beforehand. I've worked out, um, pretty regularly at the gym before going so I could, you know, not only, you know, keep pace with people while we were touring around and everything, there's going to be a lot of walking, a lot of hiking. Um, but also just to be able to not hate myself and everybody else around me on the plane. And so, uh, we get to Toronto, nothing too bad at all. We had me and my dad had a seat between us, I think. And, um, so that's always nice. And then the trip from Toronto to Israel, at least we had, uh, the exit row. So we were excited about that. And, um, this is kind of where we first started seeing our, you know, preliminary, like introduction to the culture of Jewish people in Israel. You know, there's Jewish people on our flight and, um, you know, I heard like a little girl, with her dad getting on the plane and she said something about her Abba. And I was like, oh, that is just so cool. I mean, it's a small thing, but for some reason, just just like seeing that was really interesting. Uh, hearing that was, it kind of like pricked my ears a little bit. And then, I don't know, it just kind of made me happy. It was like, I know where I'm going and um, I know the word. And I don't know, it just something about it made me happy. So that was really cool. And then also hearing... 
um, Americans that were going or maybe Canadians that were going talking about um, the different feasts of Israel as we were getting on the plane because we were going to be landing the day before atonement or Yom Kippur. And so if you get there too late, um, the entire city shuts down for these festivals from Leviticus 23 that I was going there to keep. And so, you know, we're kind of nervous about any delay. Like our flight had a, like a two hour delay or something like that. And so we were nervous, like, well, will things be shut down? Are we going to be able to get a taxi to our hotel? And so we had some fear there, but, um, as we're getting on the plane and we're hearing all these people kind of talking about the day of atonement or Yom Kippur that hadn't kept it or didn't know what it was about, that was really, really cool too. As someone who keeps those holy days, um, you know, it's like, I wanted to go and talk to everybody about their experience with those days or, you know, like, well, here's what they are and here's what they could mean in a Christian context. And so I don't know, I just felt excited already, even though I was about to get on a plane for 10 and a half hours. So wasn't too excited about that, but, uh, we did make it 10 and a half hours later and it was a really, really long flight. Um, Jewish people are very talkative. They are, uh, exuberant. They're, they're fairly loud. And so it'd be like middle of the night. And as we're by the exit row, you know, there's bathrooms there and they'd just get up and go stand by the bathroom and talk maybe in a group of four or five. And they were so loud. I mean, I didn't really have a huge problem with them. I had like noise canceling headphones in, but my dad was trying to sleep and he just was not getting any sleep at all. He was very frustrated. Um, But it was an interesting part of the culture looking back, even though it was frustrating at the time, uh, looking back on it, it's like, okay, yeah, that was like our first taste of, you know, a different culture of people. And um, yeah, so that was interesting. Um, Pretty much other than that, just a normal flight miserably long, but a hundred percent worth it. And somehow felt shorter than the Alaska flight, probably cause I slept, um, more than I usually do. So that was really, really good. So then we land in Tel Aviv and, uh, that was exciting, you know, seeing signs in Hebrew and I've, I've been trying to learn, uh, Greek and Hebrew for the past, um, a bit over a year now. I think my Duolingo is like 500 days or something like that. And all I do is Duolingo, uh, YouTube videos on both languages. And then I copy out the scripture, um, starting in Genesis in both languages and not from memory. Obviously I don't know that much vocabulary, but just, um, from like an interlinear Bible so I can get used to writing out the characters and how they sound and all that. And so that's what I've been doing. And so I got to Israel and I'm seeing, you know, all the, signs with, um, Hebrew on it. And I'm trying to sound things out, but I really don't know what any of the words are. So that was kind of hard. Um, but even so something cool, you know, it's like, I'm in a very, very different place and I've been to Europe and I've been to Mexico and Canada and, uh, different places in Europe even. And even so, like, this is just a a drastically different culture than one that I've experienced before. And so that was, that was really, really exciting. Um, next thing of note, I guess would be that, you know, as we got picked up by a, um, they call it like a smile service. So it's just someone who picks you up from the airport and walks you through, um, customs and immigration and all that stuff. Um, he was a nice guy. It was interesting. We got this little blue card, um, that we were supposed to hold on to like 
I don't know, he made it like a really big deal, like hold on to this blue card, you're going to need it to get back out of the country, and all this stuff, you're supposed to keep it with your passport, it's kind of like, um, instead of stamping your passport to say you've been to Israel, they give you this blue card, and the reason for that is other countries um, will look to see if you've been to Israel, and if you have, like especially the surrounding countries, um, Jordan, Lebanon, um, Saudi Arabia, just certain places around there, if you've been to Israel, they will not let you into their country because of just the tensions are so high. And so Israel's taken to the habit of, you know, they give these blue cards out and it says you've been to Israel and you needed to get back out to show you've been there legally. But uh, yeah, they don't stamp in your passport. So we got these blue cards and I, I guess there's like a tax if you're, if you're a visitor or I'm sorry, hold on, I got to get this straight. There's a tax on all kinds of things when you get to Israel, but if you're a visitor and you have that blue card, then when you're leaving the country again, you can get your money back um, from that tax that you're not supposed to have to pay. So that was another important thing. Um, So we get our blue card and get out of the airport. I remember the guy, he said, so how long are you in Israel for? And we said, well, about... I think the trip in total was like 18 or 19 days. And uh, some of those days would be spent in Jordan. And so we told him a rough estimate. And he said, oh, that's too much. He said, you can see all of Israel in three, four days. And I just laughed because in my head, like there is not a place that has more to see. Um, and yet in his mind, he's like, this is a, a tiny country. You know, what do you need all this time for to see all these things? And so I kind of kept that in my mind as I kept going, thinking like, I wonder if he'll prove to be right. Like four days into this, am I going to think like, yeah, I've kind of seen it all. Or, you know, is it just a difference in interest level? And so that's what I was curious about. Um, Kept in my mind. And then we we got to our taxi. There was a few other people um, keeping the feast and they were going to the same hotel as us uh, in Tel Aviv. So... They got in the taxi with us and we started driving. It was about a 30-minute drive to the hotel. And, you know, I'm looking at all the signs and I'm I'm trying to get a feel for the landscape and where I am. And it just everywhere's a little bit different. You know, even even state to state here, I've noticed uh, this past summer I've driven all over the place. I mean, between uh, Columbus and Atlanta and Texas and Connecticut and Indiana and Michigan and just all over the right side of the United States. And it's like every state you go to, even though the signs are all the same, you know, I can read everything. There's a familiarity and a similarity. Certain things are just a tiny bit different, whether it's like, well, this state has like five lane highways and this one doesn't, or, you know, this one has exit ramps that just look a little bit different, whatever it is, there's just, there is slight differences. And so I was trying to get a feel for that kind of stuff. Um, as I got to, you know, just kind of look out over the landscape. First thing I noticed was just how hot it was and how much open space there was. Not a lot of ground cover, uh, not a lot of trees, not as much as I'm used to anyways. And I just thought, man, it's a lot more arid than I thought it was going to be. I knew it would be warm, but I didn't know it'd be so arid. And so I was admittedly, initially I was a little bit nervous. Like it was kind of my first, uh, the hit, the first hit of my expectations or first hit on my expectations. I was like, okay, well, you know, I hate the heat. So getting there and thinking it'll be warm, but I can handle it. And then getting there and it being really hot with not a lot of shade, I thought, Ooh, I don't know. This might be rougher than I thought. 
but I kept an open mind and tried to stay positive. Um, it was really cool. I'll say to see like all these signs, you know, like in Columbus, you'll see a sign. It'll say like 270 wheeling or, uh, you know, 270 East or like 70 wheeling or whatever, just these different exits with, um, noticeable, you know, city names or like where it's headed to, where each road's headed to. And so to see that in Israel is, is really, really interesting because it's all these names that I recognize from the Bible. I think the first one I saw was like Ashdod or, um, uh, Ashkelon was one. And so just seeing those names, I was like, wow, that is wild. Just to like, all these names are just passively there on people's lips as they're traveling in the modern day. And then in the Bible, they're kind of passively there. Like some of those cities aren't the most major cities you'd think of, but they're ones you recognize. They're ones that clearly are just on people's lips as they're traveling to and from different areas. So that was kind of really just my first taste of the modern and the ancient being mixed, which I think is, is a theme of anytime someone goes there, they just see like how, like I said earlier, layer upon layer, everything is and how intermixed the ancient is with the modern. And so that was just, you know, kind of a weird awakening moment of like, wow, okay. Like the Bible is kind of still alive here. It's not just that it happened here, but it's still active in some of the cultural and logistical elements of the country. So that was really, really cool. And uh, that just kept on happening more and more for me as I continued to travel in the country. Um, So then we got to our hotel. Uh, Not much happened on the drive, even though I've talked about it for 10 minutes, it seems like. Uh, We got to our hotel and we were staying at the Dan Panorama, which sounds like nothing really, but... um, I don't know, like it was not a familiar name to me, but I guess it's a hotel that there's a, a bunch of panorama hotels all throughout um, Israel. We stayed at two while we were there. And it was beautiful, really, really nice hotel. Um, beds were very close together, so I scooted them apart. Um, but it was clean, it was nice, it was way, way nicer than I expected, to be totally honest. I wasn't sure, you know, once I knew I was going to Israel a lot of the logistical things kind of escaped my concern because I just assumed, okay, well, one way or another, I'm going and it's going to work out. So seeing the hotel and how decrepit it's going to be is not going to really help me. You know, I'm just going to get there and if it's horrible, it's horrible. And if it's great, it's great, but I'm there and that's what I'm going to enjoy. But it really ended up being fantastic. It was a beautiful hotel. Uh, We could see the Mediterranean right outside. So that was really, really cool. And um, I feel it felt like every hotel we stayed at actually had a nice view, but it was like we were at a spot where it was just like the best view would have been just around the corner, like maybe 10 degrees or something. So um, still grateful for what we had. You know, there's a lot of places that you won't get any sort of view at all. So it was beautiful to just be able to see the water and, uh, yeah, so nothing really crazy to report there. It was just a nice hotel. Um, then we started looking around for people we knew, trying to see if anybody that... There were a lot of people from Columbus going to Israel. So we tried to see, you know, are there any of our friends that are in this area? Uh, did they make it yet? You know, we didn't know who could text, who had worked out their phone plan so that they could text while they're here. And who am I going to be basically sending a $5 message to. So it was kind of tentative at first. 
Um, but eventually, you know, we're tired. I hadn't really slept on the plane too much. Um, off and on, you know, dozed, but not a lot. Seven hour time difference. So we were pretty tired, but we realized, you know, we've got to stay up. And so we had been told before going into Tel Aviv that something cool to do is to walk over to uh, Joppa, which um, I'm trying to think of even which direction it is. If you're facing the Mediterranean from our hotel, it was to the left. And we didn't really know where it was, but we started seeing pictures from people that were there. Um, and one of them was a picture of Simon the Tanner's house. And that was the first kind of like landmark biblical thing that I had heard that we were close to. And so I got really excited about it and also a little skeptical. You know, I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, I know that some places here are kind of labeled and marked as if they are this place. And some places are going to be, you know, a little more doubtful, not really sure what is authentic and what's not. And so this was like the first moment of like, okay, you got to look this place up. You got to see what you think about it. You got to see what the claim is, what their support is. Why is the tradition that it's here? And so I started Googling it, not only to find out where it was and how to get there, but um, also just to see what I thought of the of the proposed site. Uh, turns out there's like two or three sites. Um, I, I think actually, I think it's just two. A lot of places there's just two. There's like a, a proposed Catholic site and then a proposed Greek Orthodox site, which, you know, that makes sense with the contention uh, surrounding them. So um, I think that this was the Catholic site. And I'm not sure where the Greek Orthodox site was. I'm not actually 100% sure on that. That's just pulled from my memory, but it could be not correct. You might want to look that up for yourself. But um, I think it's the most well-accepted site for it, uh, for Simon the Tanner's house, even if you know we really have no idea and it's just that's the claim. That's the most well-accepted claim. And so we thought, okay, well, let's go. Might as well see it. You know, we're going to just... Our mentality was we're going to see everything here. We're going to say yes to as many things as we can. And we are going to just get the most out of this experience because who knows when or if we'll be able to come back. And so we started walking uh, out of the hotel. Miserably, miserably hot. Wow. I mean, even though certain days the temperature got higher than it did that day, um, the number, I don't think there was a hotter day for me the entire time I was in Israel for something about that day was just really, really miserable. And maybe it was just that, you know, I hadn't really eaten much on the plane, hadn't slept very well, been uncomfortable for all this time. I was breaking in new shoes, which that was a stupid idea on my part, but what are you going to do? Um, I was excited about them. They were like high ankles. So I thought, you know, good for hiking and I'm not going to break my ankles or anything, but I just hadn't worn them enough before leaving. So that was, that was not fun, but it's only like, uh, maybe a mile and a half to get down to the old city of Joppa. And, um, it had been excavated in like the 1800s. So relatively new, um, site, even though compared to all the rest of the sites we've seen, I mean, it was really well excavated, like didn't really even feel like it was excavated at all. Just felt like an old city that you could walk through. You know, there's functioning churches there. And yeah, so I'm not sure the level of excavation that was needed. Perhaps it was mostly um, 
unearthed, but then they just had to dig down some, or maybe it was mainly cleaning up. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so we walked down to the old city of Joppa. Uh, in uh, On the signs, it says like Tel Aviv Yafo, because there's no J in Hebrew. And so that's how they say it. And so like Joppa and Yafo, and I think Jaffa are actually similar um, words in the old Hebrew. So anytime you see that throughout the Bible, uh, those are going to be maybe not the same place, but at least a similar name. So we walked down there, blazing heat, a uh, mile and a half down the road, and there were not signs. It seemed like there were not signs anywhere. And we're kind of racing against the clock because, like I said earlier, everything on atonement or Yom Kippur shuts down in Israel at like two o'clock the day before. Um, and our hotel, I think everything shut down or like the last call for dinner was like five o'clock or something like that. Um, even though they go sundown to sundown, they still have these rules where it's like, okay, well, we want to go a little bit before sundown and then we want to make sundown on the following day last a little bit longer, just so we're not in any danger of, you know, maybe eating when we shouldn't, when we're supposed to be fasting or maybe not resting when we should be on the Sabbath. So there's their Sabbath, uh, lasts a lot longer. And so day before atonement, everything's going to shut down. We want to make it back in time for dinner because we haven't really eaten anything in a while. And then we just want to sleep, but we got to get everything we can out of this day. So we walk around this old city and we kind of, I think, took the stupidest way we could. We went down by the water and thought, okay, we'll go downhill and then walk just upstairs rather than walking kind of to the left and to be like uphill through the new city and then into the old city. We thought that sounds like it'll take a lot longer. So we went down all the way to the water and then up and man, it was stair after stair after stair in this old city. And Part of me couldn't even really appreciate it because it was just so hot. I was so tired. I was hungry. I was annoyed. Um, I was lost, so I didn't even know where exactly I was going. Um, we had Google Maps open, but it was kind of imprecise in this old city area. And uh, so we're just looking for any sign that says Simon the Tanner's house this way. And I think we probably walked maybe another mile at least another half mile, but maybe another mile, just in that old city, just circling different areas, going down a path, finding out it's a dead end. And it was kind of cool though. It's like a, it's almost like a convent. Um, this whole old city feels like, and it's, um, they do have like churches there that are active and they have, um, you know, homes for all the priests and people that come in that are maybe training in some religious order. There's like the Franciscans I'll talk about later. That's a really, really interesting story. Um, But Franciscans will come in and kind of care for the site itself. And so they came in and they had rooms there as well. But there's also little shops around, little, it almost looks like people's homes just built into the wall itself. Um, So you're walking and maybe there's like a 15 foot wall on either side of you. And then you'll come across a woman sitting at a door that's been carved out of this rock wall. And inside, she's got like a modern shop of art or jewelry or whatever. And so that was kind of cool. Just seeing, you know, it was kind of a culture, culture shock thing that just felt old timey and 
almost like Italy, just a little bit. And just, it, it was kind of nice, very Mediterranean. And, but like I said, we couldn't really appreciate it because we're getting more and more lost. And finally, we round this corner, we see a map. And even it seems kind of imprecise. And maybe, you know, I'm saying Google Images or Google Maps is imprecise. I'm saying this map on the wall is imprecise. Maybe it was just us making mistakes because we were hot and we're tired. I don't know. Um, I want to blame everything else. But it just really seemed like, you know, of all the things to see here, the thing that you want to see most is Simon the Tanner's house. This is like a concrete biblical event. And so why is there not like giant signs pointing right to this you know, obvious place of interest. Um, you know, I guess in hindsight, you forget that other people are there for other reasons. I mean, Joppa's one of the oldest active ports in the world. Um, it has a, you know, Muslim city is like most of the ruins right now. So um, interesting place for people to visit there. Um, has crusader ties, you know, all these different things that people could be there to see. Or maybe people don't care about the history and they're just there to take a walk around an old nice city with flowers and olive trees and stuff. So, you know, I forget about that stuff because I'm kind of one-track minded. I'm like, the Bible happened here. I got to go see that thing. And so I was frustrated by the lack of signs. Um, But the interesting thing about Joppa is that as we continued our trip, you know, on this day, particularly because we're tired and hot and annoyed and want to go back to the hotel and eat, um, we kind of were one-track minded about seeing Simon the Tanner's house and forgot about all the other things that happened there biblically. And so as the feast progressed and as our touring progressed, especially as we left Tel Aviv and they were kind of telling us about uh, Joppa and the history of Tel Aviv and everything, um, We learned more and more and more. We're reminded about more and more and more that happened in this spot. And so I kind of wish we had maybe taken our time just a little bit more and appreciated where we were and, uh, you know, pulled out maybe the other Bible verses. Finally, though, in the most meandering fashion, kind of like I'm hoping this podcast doesn't feel to anybody listening, we found this door down a few stairs that said uh, House of Simon the Tanner. And it was really cool. I don't know what was so cool about it. Um, was that the actual house? Was that even the actual spot? Maybe the, maybe it was the spot, but the house was, you know, deconstructed and built on top of much later. Uh, maybe it wasn't even the spot. But for some reason, being in that spot and seeing the sign and everything just felt so great to me. It just felt like it was very transporting for some reason. Um, Because even if it wasn't the right spot or it wasn't the right house, I know that somewhere within maybe a hundred yards of me, Peter, who I've read about countless times in the Bible, was in this city looking out over the Mediterranean Sea and had this vision of a sheet coming down from heaven and animals being on it, unclean animals. And God spoke to him there at this spot. And that was so cool. Again, even if it wasn't just that exact spot, which I tell everybody I, I can, hey, I saw Simon the Tanner's house. And, you know, I I took out my Bible and I read from that scripture. And every time I read it from now on, that's what I'm going to be picturing. Um, and it might not even be accurate, but something about finding it just was very, very cool. And so that's kind of what it was. It set the tone, I think, for the rest of the excursions we had, because 
even though I cannot be 100% sure, there's no you know, writing on the floor at first century level that says Simon the Tanner was here with Peter the Apostle, um, there's actually not even evidence of a tannery being there. And so we don't know that. But we know it was by the water. Um, we know it was in that city of old Joppa. So it was around there somewhere. And ancient tradition says that that's where it was. And so I still tell people, yeah, that's what I saw. And that's what I'll look for. And that's what I'll consider and uh, remember when I, I read through that scripture. So it was really, really cool to see. We got a few pictures there. And um, yeah, I think it was it was great. Because even though we were just worn out and tired from the heat, um, we had seen our first thing, you know, and that was just really rewarding. And uh, I just, I don't know, I'll always have a special place in my heart for that spot, you know. And even uh, aside from just that miracle, it's also where uh, he resurrected Tabitha. And so that's really cool too. You know, a resurrection happened there. How many places in the world can you say that that happened? That you were with 100 yards of where a resurrection happened? Not that many. And um, I don't know, something special about that. So reading through the accounts as I'm sitting right there, looking at the door to this home that people believe was the house of Simon the Tanner, that Peter would have walked through, that Peter would have left from to go and meet Cornelius. I just, that is incredible to me. And so I was really excited about that. Um, Now on the way back, I was less excited. We walked back to the hotel and it got hotter and hotter and hotter. It felt like the hotel was forever away. Me and my dad are just drenched in sweat. We don't do well in the heat. Like, I mean, my dad is worse than I am. He can sweat just sitting there in a cool room. It's just how he is. Um, My dad always sweat a lot. My mom just gets overheated very easily. And I have gotten both of those perfect genes. So I was just really, really miserable. Both of us were. And my feet at this point were killing me. Man, like three miles, you know? It wasn't... It wasn't an unheard of walk. It's not like we were climbing mountains, but these new shoes were just wrecking my feet. So I was nervous about that. Um, We finally make it back to the hotel and just collapse on the floor of our room. And I mean, I'm literally panting at this point. Like it's embarrassing to say, but I, I cannot explain how hot I felt and exhausted and we're getting ready to go into a fast, you know? So I was pretty miserable. And laying there, I thought, you know, maybe I just won't eat. Like, maybe if I can just sleep and get cooled down, I will feel better than if I try and stand up right now and then go downstairs and eat. Um, but I had to eat because it was going to be a long time before I could again. So eventually, we did get up and get ready and go eat. And, you know, for the whole trip, I brought like enough shirts that if I wore each shirt twice, I'd have enough for the whole trip. After that day, that shirt was so disgusting and so sweaty. I thought, there's no way this is going to happen. I can't even take this shirt with me on the rest of this trip. So I ended up throwing that t-shirt away, um, which was unfortunate. It was a good shirt, but it would have just infected the rest of my suitcase. So um, yeah, I, I couldn't take that chance. So we go down to dinner and most incredible meal. I mean, it was a buffet style, but like everything is fresh and beautiful. I mean, the presentation of everything is just stunning. And that was a a really, really nice meal. And we're talking to people about Joppa, you know, and they remind us, you know, this is also where Jonah set sail from. It's like, oh man, that is so cool. You got to be kidding me. And so just to, to be in a city, you know, to finally be in Israel 
was very, very exciting. To be ready for our excursions the next day was, or no, sorry, the next day was atonement. So to have a day of, of resting sounded really nice. To get ready for our excursions the day after, that was really exciting. To have made it past the 10 and a half hour flight, it just, it felt like we had completed a lot of rigorous steps to get to this point. And so the meal was really, really nice. Learning more about the city we were in was very, very cool. And it had just been like half a day. You know, this wasn't even the first full day. And so while I was so excited about the trip, I also in the back of my mind thought, man, if every day is as difficult as this one, I'm not sure how I'm actually going to make it through the rest of our trip because I am like just very, very beat right now. You know, I mean, I've never felt more out of shape. It turns out the rest of the trip was great. I kept up fine. It was no problem. Um, And I think the majority of the problems from that day were adjusting to the heat, adjusting to the time change, um, adjusting to new shoes, not having eaten anything, being on a plane and being dehydrated, you know, all those things kind of combined into one perfect storm. And so I wasn't quite as out of shape as I, as I thought that I might be. And, uh, those nerves were unwarranted. So that was really, really good. But that was our first kind of half day, our first, you know, our, our, the look at our arrival into Israel. And, um, yeah, so this is going to take a long time. I hope that you are here with me up to this point. It's been 41 minutes in this podcast already. So I hope you found it interesting. If not, um, just skip on through. There's going to be a few like this. Cause I think, like I said, to not record anything about it would just be a mistake, but also, I can't tell. Maybe this is totally uninteresting to people. So I'm going to just post it and see what people think. And uh, hopefully I get better as the, as the you know each episode goes on. And this day, honestly, was rather uneventful. And so I think while the days get more eventful, we go and see more um, parts of what the Bible was like or you know what the events of the Bible looked like. I think the content could get more interesting, but also um, it has a potential to be longer. And so I'm hoping that I can, you know, kind of adjust those levels just a little bit to shorten what I'm saying, but add more value into how I'm saying it. So that's the goal. But I do appreciate you listening and kind of bearing with me a little bit because I even just going through this, I'm excited to be talking about it, even though I'm in my home by myself, you know, just to recount it and to look through the pictures again is exciting for me and makes me want to get into my Bible again and read these passages and uh, just appreciate the fact that those places are real and that they actually exist and can be touched and seen and experienced. So um, I'm hoping I'm granting a little bit of that with each of these episodes. But again, uh, just thank you very much and please let me know uh, what you think of these if uh, there's something I could do differently or, you know, some way I can present better. Just let me know and, uh, I'll try and adjust. Thank you guys again. Until next time, keep on reading your Bibles, keep on thinking critically about them and keep on applying the lessons. Maybe not that we've learned today, um, since this has been more biographical, but keep on applying the lessons of the Bible that you've learned in your own personal study to your lives. Thanks guys.